Welcome to this week's episode of Getting on the Green. Today, we are welcoming in Jeremy Larkin and Joseph Gallagher, two of my uh, co-workers and principals in NAI Miami. Um, to give a little bit of background on both of them, Jeremy Larkin um, grew up in the South Florida area. He went to the University of Alabama and then the U University of Miami School of Business, got his MBA there. Um, Joseph, also known as Joe or Papa Joe, um, went to the University of Florida and got his Bachelor's of Science in business and marketing. I'm excited to get to talk to them, learn a little bit about them. So this is a little bit different of a podcast because we have two guests on this time, two mentors of mine. Um, they have taught me a lot since I've gotten into the game. Uh, so before further ado, welcome Jeremy Larkin and who I call Papa Joe Gallagher. So welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. How did it become Papa Joe? Um, I'm not. Know. I'm not sure, but it just felt right. So I've been. I, I mean, kind of <laughs> since the since the first time I uh, have been. I don't know about the first time, but since very early on, he's always been Papa Joe. So, it's all the gray hair. <laughs> Does that mean Grandpapa? No, 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 no. You know, I. I he, he's he's very fatherly figure to to me. So you know, it it felt right. Um, so Joe, you're, Joe, you're approachable. <laughs> Very approachable. Okay, so um, we gave a brief background on uh, kind of the education and this and that. So how about uh, you guys tell us a little bit more about um, who you are in the real estate world. Uh, let's start with you, Jeremy, if you don't mind. Um, kind of what you, what you do and you can say your title or whatever you'd like about who you are in the real estate world. Well, I am nobody in the real estate world. <clears throat> who am I? I'm a service provider. Uh, been around in a few years, started out as a banker in the real estate world, went into the acquisition side of the investment firm, and then got into asset management, and then finally brokerage. Uh, started this firm, NAI Miami, 2000, no, 1997, damn, that's all. <laughs> the three of us. And we've now gotten up to about 45, joined the NAI system in 2002, and have been members since then got active in any global leadership, ended up as the chairman of the board there for a while. And now I'm back in Miami just trying to take care of my clients and my business. Very nice, very nice. Um, I know you do far more than that, but you're humble, so uh, we, won't, we don't have to get into everything, including the being an expert witness and this and that in helping a bunch of clients in basically any service they need when it comes to real estate. So it's, it's really cool to hear all the things that you know, I always over overhear you and kind of listen in on things, even if I'm not supposed to. So I apologize about that. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listening in and learning all the time from you. So it's, it's very cool to hear the, the things that you do. Um, so let's let's turn to you, Joe. Uh, tell us about kind of the things you focus on in the real estate world. Uh, well, uh, I had a very different path. Uh, I started in the retail game uh, a long time ago, coming out of college and uh, cut my teeth just on the experiential side of retail <clears throat> and uh, then was uh, hired by my dad who had a small boutique real estate firm that was in combination with an appraisal firm uh, in which we were looking to acquire properties for a small uh, group of folks. So uh, worked on that for a little bit, found a really good asset, presented it to Jeremy. I uh, said, hey, Jeremy, uh, we're thinking about going after this. What are your thoughts? He said, I love it. I wish we could find stuff like this. And uh, how'd you find it? 
And my dad said, well, he found it, pointing to me. Uh, and Jeremy said, we need more people like that in my office. My dad then said, you're fired. And then I started working for Jeremy the next week. True story. So, <laughs> I've been here as of uh, October 1st, 13 years. So I've, I've been here for a while, uh, doing much the same as what you were just saying, just overhearing the conversations of not just Jeremy, but all the other colleagues in the office and trying to absorb as much as I could. Um, I started more retail focused. And I would still say that that is my preferred avenue, though much to what Jeremy said, it's, it's all client driven. So if the client needs something particular, that's really where our expertise comes in line is being able to listen to what their true desires are and needs are and following those accordingly. So while I'd like to paint myself in more of a retail tenant rep color, uh, we are more user driven. So whatever's needed is what we do. Do you think that different personalities kind of drive people to different areas of the real estate world? I think different personalities get driven to certain areas because they're looking at the industry as it is and listening to people define the industry as it is. And therefore they think they have to find the right notch or whether they're a triangle shaped diamond or a circular or square peg. Kind of Joe and I have kind of redefined that and we're, we believe that the industry really is more driven with an emphasis focused on clients. And our job is to solve our clients' problems and that's what we do. Sometimes we'll do it ourselves, but our team does it. Other times we'll refer it and it just depends on what they need. What the real driver is, we want them to pick up the phone whenever they have a problem and call us. That's, that's great. Being service oriented and being the, uh, the go-to problem solver uh, certainly makes sense on how to make yourself uh, have that extra value that potentially other brokers might not provide. Um, so, well, Craig, Craig, if, if I could jump in, yeah, please. you said that your question was also the, uh, if certain personality types are, I guess, attracted to different markets and to, to, to different specialties within the industry. Is that sure, part yeah, of the yeah. question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think people are driven to the, the business and they just kind of fall in line anywhere that they're more comfortable and then just acclimate their personalities to that thing. Because I, I've, it, you have a, a, a landlord rep and it could be an assortment of different styles or different personalities that exist within that, that certain specialty. I don't necessarily think that it's, it's personality driven. I, there's an element of, but I don't think it's driven by that primarily. I think it's, uh, I think that's just where they ease into their own individual rut or their style, whatever is a nicer way of saying it. Um, but I think the personality shines within the individual industry type, but not necessarily drives them towards it. Interesting. So you don't think that um, a specific area will be the attractant? You think that the person chooses that area and then that, I guess, personality trait or um, I guess character traits uh, kind of come up, come to be or? Well, it, it depends. I, I think if, if you were to, to, if you were to, to classify me and my style, I think I'd probably work out better on the office side and maybe even on the landlord rep side on, on, on office, just because of my, uh, you know, being so regimented and, and structured with the things that I do doesn't really apply as much to retail, though it's applicable. It's not as it's not a characteristic of most retail brokers. 
So it, it's it's something that I had a retail background in, and that was that's my comfort. And I had the interest in uh, you know why people buy what they buy, what drives traffic, what what synergy looks like, just the nuances of retail. That was the attractant to me. And then I just applied my structured system to that. So I, it, I wasn't attracted to retail, though I probably should have been more attracted to other industry types just based on my personality. Interesting. Uh, so let's take it back a little bit um, and go back to when you guys were kind of starting out in the real estate world. Um, did you, well, I, I kind of know you, Joe, but I want uh, you to say it out loud. Um, but for Jeremy, I don't know as much about um, coming up can you tell us a little bit about who or what type of person you trained under or learned from or something along those lines? Uh, do you have a mentor? Did you, you know, I know, I know we spoke recently about what you did to gain clients, but to learn the business and things like that, did you practice under somebody or? Jeremy? That was a Jeremy, right? Yeah, yeah Jeremy. Well, I thought that was a Joe. No, 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 no. <laughs> Joe, Joe next. You, wanted, you said you wanted them to say it. Well, I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Joe after, but I'm start I'm starting with you. Oh, so do you want to do brokerage, banking, investment, sales, or asset management? Anything where you grew, because <clears throat> I am going to tie this into teams. So, whatever you want to talk about. Um, probably the only time I really had a good mentor was switch going from banking into the real estate business, which was a CFO of a client. And when I realized I did not belong in banking and wanted to get in real estate, I called him up and asked him for his advice. And he took me out to lunch and said, if he's, I'm serious about wanting to leave banking, he was serious about putting a job offer in front of me that second. Interesting. <clears throat> so, so I listened, basically, he was my mentor. I asked lots and lots of questions while I was at that company. And so when you're, Having this relationship with this uh, mentor or and somebody that you're learning from, uh, whether it be a, a boss, whatever, um, is that something that can grow into potentially being a partner or you know trying to gain investment deals with them? Uh, is that something that you ever did with that individual? No, um, but I wasn't wasn't in brokerage, and it was a different time in the world, etc. I mean, on the brokerage side, well, after we started the company, and I kind of had to find my way. And I, being part of NEA Global, I picked up a lot of mentors there, and the, the the mentors were really my partners in the different offices, and that was the wonderful thing about being part of a global network. I was able to talk to the CEOs of very large companies in Detroit, New York, San Francisco and ask them questions so they could teach me what I shouldn't be doing and I don't have to make the same mistakes. Interesting. <clears throat> All right, so Joe, tell us about uh, a little bit about your coming up in, uh, obviously you had your father that who you first worked for and then uh, you came over to NAI. So who, who would you, and like describe, describe your, I guess, mentors or the people that you learned the most from? You're asking me who I prefer between my dad and Jeremy? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm just saying describe those types of relationships and um, kind of the maybe the differences between them and how maybe one taught you one way, another teaches you another way. I don't know, any, any, anything you'd like to comment on it. 
Yeah, the, uh, well, those are my two right there. And uh, I wouldn't say polar opposites because I know that they're colleagues and and um, and parallel industries. Pretty much um, polar opposites. being a present. But yeah. <laughs> and, polar opposites is pretty accurate. Yeah, my, my, my dad um, and Jeremy are, are, are very different. So uh, there was a lot that I learned from my dad first working for him for three years, give or take. Um, but his industry was very, him being an appraiser, uh, it's a little bit more uh, self-motivated. And that w- I wasn't motivated enough to be successful in that system. Uh, he taught me a lot. He, I mean, especially on, on how to be a man, how to be ethical, how to be a professional. Uh, just those those basic points coming into NAI. Uh, but he he gave me the perfect foundation. He gave me the analytical um, background that I probably still shows today. Uh, I don't know if that's why I'm I'm, I'm so and in, infused in, in my spreadsheets, but that's. I'd say that that's a solid background that I got from him. Uh, but he didn't operate in the world of brokerage, which, as you know, Craig, it's, it's, a, it's a very unique world and full of nuances. And that's not something that I would have ever learned staying in that boutique firm. But when I came over and I started work, well, when I started working with Jeremy, uh, I was horrible. I did not acclimate well, and I struggled for five years, Jeremy. Um, Up and then once I, s- brick. <laughs> that's one way of saying it. <laughs> and then when I broke out of that shell or started to break out of that shell, um, is when I started to listen a little bit more to the people around me, Jeremy, uh, Josh, uh, Brandon, a lot of the other brokers that I was surrounded with in the office. Well, that's part of the shell. Uh, but listening to those around me kind of broke me out of that and, and made me a little bit more receptive to things that were going on around me. And then that's when Jeremy and I kind of started working more and more together. And, uh, the, the learning was exponential. So, and as you know, Craig, you could learn the theory, you could take the class, you could read the book, but it's really the, you know, being put in action and, and live fires where, where you really start learning things. So, the benefit of working with Jeremy is I was experienced to a whole assortment of different projects that uh, I never would have been before. So it gave me perspective on landlord side, tenant side, owner side, and everything in between that, that, that happened. So the experience really uh, went up and that's where my learning really took off. So Jeremy really gave me the, the good background on, on the, not the logical or excuse me, not logical, but the, uh, the uh, theoretical. Theoretical, thank you. Yeah, uh, theoretical really the versus the uh, practical. Yeah, it's. I mean, those the differentiating those two is definitely a big thing. As somebody who you know went to business school, I certainly went into the the business world thinking that I knew what I was talking about. But then you get hit in the face with actualities, and you don't know anything until you've actually experienced it and put it into actual work and had to do the task as opposed to learning about the task. So differentiating between those two and being able to have those experiences is very valuable. Um, So can you guys talk a little bit about what type of partnership you all have now? Like what, what does it mean that you are working more with Jeremy? What, what does that mean? That's personal, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
if we tell you, we're going to have to kill you. <laughs> well, I hope not. Uh, sorry. It, everything that I work on, everything that Jeremy works on gets thrown into a bank. So if, if a project were to emerge and, and he and I were to talk about that project, Hey, uh, this is what needs to be done. This is who is, who is, uh, who the, the client is, uh, how do we best partner this up? How do we best portion this up? Excuse me. So we need to do X, Y, and Z. Well, that's more my skill set. I'll do that. Jeremy, you do this. And we just, we piece every project up based on our capabilities, but also our time too, because the amount of, of work that we are faced with, unfortunately, we can't do by ourselves, or fortunately, we can't do by ourselves, I should say. So we work with other brokers in the office, depending on their specialties as well. So our partnership is is every project goes into our communal bank and we work on together. Uh, but also we work with others in the office to, to help satisfy whatever the need is. So is that something that you would suggest to other brokers, potentially finding that person that uh, you complement their skills and they complement your skills and kind of creating that, um, not necessarily lifelong, but uh, for the foreseeable future type uh, team, I guess? Well, if, if for me, uh, I had an ideal scenario. I mean, Jeremy's brilliant with all this stuff, and he saw an advantage in having me work with him. So I got a one-on-one tutor in the real estate industry from Jeremy Larkin. That's awesome. That's a hell of an experience for someone like me coming up. And now I get to be brought into meetings where otherwise I wouldn't be invited. I get to rub elbows with 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 folks that have much more tenure than I do in the industry. And it's a big catch-up moment. I, I you got to really prove that you belong in those rooms. So it, that that was that was something that that I had to step up to. Uh, but it was, I mean, if if yeah, if you could find a Jeremy Larkin out there that needs some help and is willing to foster you along, why not? I mean, it's it's it, if the styles fit and the personalities fit, and as you said, if if the the respective capabilities are synergistic and they work together, then hell yeah. I, I, I see no reason not to because it, it just makes us both more well-rounded. The things I can't do, Jeremy can nail and vice versa. There are situations that Jeremy's faced with, with plug me in, I'm good to go. And, and I'll nail it, kill it every time. So it really just depends on the scenario. But now you could put us in pretty much any real estate situation and if if you have an open-minded client or or panel of clients, however it's 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 set up, we could kill it. Okay, so let me let me hear slightly from you, Jeremy, because obviously you were the mo- more experienced person in this team. Um, so, in any positive situation, there's definitely drawbacks. So, what type of a drawback is seen when it? when you're partnering with somebody. Obviously, Joe's incredible at what he does, and I'm learning from him. So in theory, I am the Joe. Obviously, I don't have the same team dynamic that you and Joe do because I'm far more new. But in my eyes, I'm the Joe to Joe being you in my situation. So what what type of (laughs) drawback do you see uh, to kind of taking somebody who's less experienced, not necessarily under your wing, but taking that risk and having them at part of your team? That makes you a Jojo. <laughs> if you understand the cycles of how you develop business and you understand what your goals and objectives are, there's not a whole lot of downside. 
the biggest downside, and we'll talk about the positives and the cycles in a minute. Biggest downside was just breaking. He has a very, very strong personality, and he believed that the, his way was the right way to do things. Still and, kind of do. But you think that your way <laughs> is a preferred way to do things versus the right way to do things because you figured out there's a whole lot of way to do things and all of them are technically right. And that's a lesson a lot of people need to learn is there isn't necessarily one way to do everything correctly and everything else is wrong. There could be 4,000 paths to get the same point and 300 of them may work effectively for virtually everyone. And it's understanding that so that <clears throat> I can get from point A to point B one way Joe can get, from, get to it another way, and it really doesn't matter as long as it gets done by when it needs to get done. Interesting. <clears throat> but the other thing you also have to figure out is when you're doing business, the only thing you can control is the amount of time you spend and your revenue per hour. And once you max those out, you're done. <clears throat> that's all you can make for the rest of your life. Unless you start connecting with people and downstreaming things that can be done for people who have a lower targeted hourly rate and you can work on the higher targeted things and the blended rate tends to work better. Now throw into the fact that the, the age gap between Joe and I, <clears throat> it's not that I'm old yet, but I'm old. Uh, and, oh, you're just older uh, than him. I am, uh, what, I am 20 years older than you, Joe? Almost on the nose. Yeah. And so <clears throat> when you're looking at exit strategies and you want to start planning for the future, how am I going to get from point A to point B? I have a big book of business. I can close up, I can close up the shop of Jeremy at any moment and that business goes somewhere else. Or I can connect with a junior partner, <clears throat> bring him in, make arrangements to help him get up to the level where I'm at or hopefully more and better. And I can over allocate dollars to him then. Once he hits stride, then the allocation shifts to something fair based on work product and time. And ultimately, when I start to age Joe, Joe's going to provide the payback 20 years later by overpaying me for a period of time to buy the book of business. In. Interesting. And so far, that's worked. <clears throat> and the other thing that hopefully you've heard or you haven't heard is when it comes to throwing money in the pot, everyone's going to say, well, how do you split it up? And the answer is, is we've got bookends. It's no less than X. It's no more than Y. And it would be split somewhere between those two numbers based on work. And we have never had a problem discussing that. We generally tend to over allocate to the other party probably more than work-wise making deserved on both sides. <laughs> and it all, but it all evens out in the end. And we do have a contract. We have a signed agreement. Okay. So would you say that that is a standard thing that um, you all, 
you said that you guys haven't had any issues with those types of things. Would you say that that's standard when it comes to real estate teams? Um, no, usually I'd say most teams blow up because everyone thinks they're contributing more and should get more and, or the other one's not pulling the weight, blah, blah, blah. And it's really a matter of being pragmatic and looking at the bigger picture. And it's usually, usually erupts over a very large deal. Yep. Okay. Um, so would you say that you all have the same personality, I guess, or would you be somewhat opposites or... Um, you know, let, I, I kind of want to understand your, and have the listeners understand your all personalities a little bit better so uh, they can understand how your dynamic works a little bit. If I, when we first started, I would say the intent was Joe to be the fulfiller and for me to be the developer and the procurer. And the personalities back then were probably fit into those boxes. As underneath was a strong business developer in Joe, and it came out in other areas first. And as he got more confident in the practice of the real estate business, it started to come out aggressively then. But you know, if you work together long enough, your personalities tend to merge a little. Interesting. I wear off on him a little bit, he wears off on me a little bit. Joe? And yeah, that's that's interesting. I I agree with Jeremy to to a point too about the you know sharing of personalities. Uh, we do look at things differently most of the times, though. Uh, it's funny when we're talking about you know learning from Jeremy. Uh, as you know, there will be situations where it's a very matter of fact. This is what I think you should do from Jeremy, but it doesn't fit with my personality. So I take the advice and then skew it in a different direction or I'll, I'll tailor it my way. And it's gotten to the point where he'll even say, hey, this is, this is what I think you should say as a response to the given situation. But go ahead and put it in whatever your vernacular is because he knows that it's, it's just going to be different. It's going to come across differently. Um, I, I, yeah, I believe personality-wise we are very different. I don't think anyone in the office would disagree with that. <laughs> but to Jeremy's point too, it's, it's we also – learn how to work with the alternate personality but also we know where there's an overlap too and that overlaps typically where we communicate and and uh we do most of our work um but yeah that's personalities are are different (laughs) so so that actually uh, what you mentioned kind of brings up a question that i have um so with any issues so let's say, for instance, you have the, that senior broker who you're partnered with and they say, hey, we should be doing it like this. And then you are, let's say, the one that's fulfilling. Like Jeremy said, he's the procurer, you're the fulfiller. Um, so you're the one that's actually speaking with a client, this and that. And the senior broker says, do it this way. You totally disagree. How do you come to terms with um, a solution to that without creating some sort of rift between the two and it doesn't have to be necessarily you two specifically um just in general how can a team dynamic work like that to avoid issues or conflicts that'll kind of last longer than they should well i think there's there's two parts of that first off is um i mean trust is the biggest thing if 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 i were to say to jeremy this is my perspective this is how i think it should be handled and he is vehemently he vehemently disagrees and goes in a different route, 
I trust him. And and we are we are one. So if 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 we're on a conference call and things going in, in one way that, that maybe I wouldn't have taken it or vice versa, that's just the way it is. That that's our team has gone in that direction, not one of us. So it's it's I think you need to have trust with the other party. Uh, but also have an understanding that it, we are not separate; we are one. And and on the if if I am being told or Jeremy is being told to do something in a specific way, and that's the way it is, that's not really a true partnership either. That's 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 an employee and an employer situation with different financial compensation models, and and that's not the way we operate. Mm-hmm. It's. Jeremy is is very opinionated on certain matters, but he also understands that I'm going to take my approach on things. So, and same way, I, I would be in one way, but I know that he's going to take it in a different direction. So, go ahead and have at it, because it's it's not for me to, to mandate a certain thing. And if you truly trust me to be in that position to make the decision, then allow me to make the decision. Interesting. Um, so maybe you guys can uh, give us an example. Uh, if you can think of one where your teamwork or partnership really saved a deal or saved a major issue that that you all had. Let's say, for instance, you thought, I don't know, you were going to be at um, a showing and then you couldn't and the partner came in, swooped in and sealed the deal or something along those lines where, you know, because you were a team, a deal got done versus being, you know, making 100% and doing it solo. We call that Tuesday. <laughs> but no, nothing in specific? There's, well, I, I, got, I have one, but okay. there, there's very few things to your half-joking point that we do individually, and that's it. It's So the word save is, I, I don't know if I'd use that, but uh, progress is, is probably okay. a, a better word because I don't think there's been a situation that we've been faced with where it's we're about to lose something in its entirety. Um, and you know, bigger picture goals, all that. You know, you might lose a battle, but the eyes on the war. So it, I, the only situation. This is more my perspective on things, and it's not saving a deal. It's just how we worked as a partnership. Is on the Make a Wish project, where Make a Wish had uh, tasked us with finding a corporate facility uh, for their operations, and the assignment was ever evolving and complicated and was at the mercy of a board of Jeremy, eight people, six people, a subcommittee? Six. Thereabouts? So, and going back to a statement I made previously, this is a room that I never would have been invited to before. Uh, But Jeremy not only got us the meeting, but we got the assignment because of his relationships. And then he trusted me to just run with it and because he knew I'd be able to handle it. And so now I'm, I'm in a room with these six professionals of you know ultimate caliber in their respective industries, and they're all hanging on every word that I have to say about sites, about territories, about traffic, about, about everything that came into play when it comes to choosing a corporate facility location. And Jeremy didn't have to say a whole lot in that meeting because I had it. And that was that was a first true testament to me that I've I've stepped up my game, and that wasn't necessarily something that I mean, Jeremy couldn't do. Obviously, he could, but it took a lot of time, took a lot of patience, took a lot of organization. He trusted me to do it. 
So that's that's just a way that the team philosophy worked. And then once we found out who was going to be our contact person, then Jeremy and I talked about whose personality meshes best with that individual contact person. It happened to be me. So I stuck with it. And I was the one that fostered and kept it going. And then as as contracts would fall out or new projects would come in and there was change because this was a long project that were I think three years, Jeremy, four years maybe. It was a long time. So over that time, I was keeping it along and shepherding it as it needed to. And Jeremy was fine just, you know, allowing that to happen because he knew I had it. But we never would have gotten that if it wasn't for his connections internally with, with the brokerage community, the development community, architectural community, all that. So again, not saving, but progressing. And so how often would you all say that you, um, I guess, bounce off your pro- uh, progression on your tasks or your deals with each other? Is this, do you all meet daily? Do you meet multiple times a day, once a week? How, how often is a team like yours, you know, meeting, I guess, or talking? Um, we're probably talking multiple times a day on specific tasks. But I thought formally meeting and catching up, we actually sat down, I guess started earlier this year or what, last year, oh. where we meet weekly. And we have a task sheet that we go through. Okay, so you're you're speaking daily on obviously like questions and this and that, but a structured formal meeting once a week just to make sure that you're staying on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And we move the format to Teams so we can work on it off of the worksheet and we can update the worksheet lifetime and both of us can do it at the same time, which that is a real benefit. And as we add things, we, you know, we remember, oh, yeah, I started working on this. Let's throw this in. Interesting. All right. So uh, I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. I know you all are busy. Um, so for Joe, just one last thing. Can you, um, because obviously I have to, you know, make it selfish and about me. So can you give me one tip? Uh, you are a broker. He's a millennial. <laughs> can, you, can you give me one tip um, to basically prove your value and make yourself of value to a senior broker. What What is one thing that you can suggest to somebody in my shoes um, that would basically get that trust from uh, that senior broker? One thing? You can Ooh. say multiple, but you know, top, top one, <laughs> two max. Listen more. And uh, people react quickly to uh, statements that are made or they'll, they'll make assumptions based on that and they'll go on their own track. But listen, listen, and then, then clarify. Why did you say that? Okay, I, when you say X, I mean it to be this. Is that what you're saying too? Because I want to make sure that I'm able to accomplish the task that, that's, that's being asked to me. And this doesn't just only apply to partnership. This is obviously working with clients too. It's just being attentive, being attentive to those that are around you, just working listening. With, working with people. Yeah. It's, so I, I can't say that that's a unique thing for partnership. Um, for a partnership, uh, I, I don't know. It's show up every day, work hard, show effort, and, and, and try, to, try to be better. Communicate on a regular basis. 
Let there me know. There's another one. Okay, so uh, Jeremy was saying uh, communicate on a regular basis and let let the senior broker know what you're doing uh, so that you're not just, I guess, disappearing or just playing on a computer or something along those lines. Um, so well, not, It's not necessarily that as much as if, if you're working underneath someone on a project, then you are, you are a satellite of, of the originator. So you and I, if we're working on an assignment for whomever, and I ask you to go do something, and you have to be in continuous operation. And once you've satisfied it, you have to tell me that you're, you're done with that individual assignment so that I could keep you moving or move you on to something different. Um, because otherwise, if you don't communicate, then that's when the, the stagnant starts happening. And then maybe things aren't as clear to you or you don't remember it as well. And maybe your energy is lost. And so you need to keep that momentum going. So communication really helps with that. And more importantly, the senior guys are usually the one talking to the client. And when the client calls up and asks what what's going on, and you know you turn into the three stooges, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, let me get back to you, you know, or theoretically, you know, you decide to take off for a vacation, and then decide to extend it for another week or two without. <laughs> And for whoever's listening, that's not yeah, me. That, that's not me either. But you know, I I, I hear what you're saying. I got to piss off one person. Very and sometimes payback is hell. Okay. Like it might be mentioned on a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> it'll it'll follow you for as long as uh, you live, I guess. You know, there's always the legend of. Do you remember the time you did this? Yep. Can never, uh, never escape the past. I guess you can laugh at it and learn from it, but you can never escape it. Hey, you know what? Embrace it. Embrace it. Yes, I did it. Okay, you know, sorry. Embrace your actions and embrace who you are too. Absolutely, it's like the lesson. A banker, when I was doing distressed assets for BNY Mellon, one of the greatest lessons in the world he ever taught me. I was late getting a project to him by two or three days and he called me up and he says why were you late and I said I was busy working on other things I'm really sorry I had to push yours aside but I got it done and I was so proud of myself for getting it done and this was on the phone but I could hear him shaking his head as he's going Jeremy 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 You need to understand one thing and one thing very, very clearly. I know you have other girlfriends. I don't ever want you to talk about them again in my presence. I want to believe I'm your only girlfriend. Interesting. And I said, yes, Dennis, I hear you. I promise I will never say something like that ever again. Okay. Well, um, so and if, every, and if every service provider can understand that when they're talking to a client, they will be way better off. Very nice. Well, let's uh, let's leave it at that. Uh, definitely things to remember, learn from. Oh, I'm going to keep these uh, close to my heart. I'm going to re-listen to the podcast for sure so I can make sure I absorb everything. Um, 
I want to thank you both for taking the time. Uh, again, you guys are definitely busy and hardworking people. So for you to donate your time to me, I really appreciate. Um, so thank you again. When you're, when you're rich and famous, just remember us. <laughs> no doubt. Will do. Thank you. So there we have it, folks. We heard from Jeremy and Joe about how to successfully navigate through a partnership, uh, what it takes basically being able to deal with each other's um, potential egos, um, different thoughts, because as as we know, we're, we're different people that, that bring different ideas and experiences to a partnership. So, so being able to understand that beforehand and um, being able to kind of have a mutual understanding that and, and respect. Basically, the respect factor is the most important part um, and communication between each other um, so that you each can reach that mutual goal, which is success. Um, so I'm really glad that they were able to kind of portray that and not only tell us about, you know, the uh, rainbows and butterflies that they've had, but uh, some issues that they've had to work with as well. Um, so we have one more episode in our second season. We have awesome guests coming up in season three. We've heard some nice feedback uh, from you all as well, so I really appreciate that. See our blog and um, new website, gettingonthegreen.com. There are ways to reach me through there if you have any questions, comments, uh, feedback. I'd love to hear from you all. Um, getting that is invaluable to us, so really helps us to be better, provide a better podcast, um, information that you all want to hear. Um, and I've had a couple of people reach out and uh, thank me for, for what I'm doing. So, you know, that really validates kind of the effort and time that we put into this. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you all for listening. Um, and make sure you reach out to me if you have any interest in being a guest on the show. So we will see you next time on the green.